Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, this is week one in a brand new message series called The Jealous Heart of God. If you've been with us for the last eight weeks, we did a marathon message series called Starting Point. And if you caught all of that, I mean, that stuff is all available online if you want to listen to it. If you've come through that and you're kind of thinking, I want to find a place to make a new beginning in this stuff, or if you've been a believer for a long time and you're kind of stuck in a rut, this message series, I hope, will be a good one for you. We're going to begin with a really weird concept. It's one that has kind of given me trouble a little bit over the years, and maybe it has for you too. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but in the Bible, God reveals himself to us as a jealous God. And I don't, that always landed weird on me. And we talked a little bit about the Ten Commandments a few weeks ago. God says, you're not, you're not to have any other gods but me. I'm yours and you're mine and it's going to be us. And you're not to worship any other gods because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now that always landed funny on me. I, I never quite got that. Because to me, jealousy is not something I aspire to. Yeah? Jealousy isn't something that we want to be. Nobody ever wakes up and goes, today I just want to be as jealous as I can be. Nobody ever goes, man, I really respect that lady. She's just so jealous. Like, doesn't work like that. Jealousy is not the kind of thing we aspire to or want to become. So, so when God reveals himself to us as jealous, how do we take that? How does it land on us? Well, as we begin, we're going to offer this concept up. To talk about jealousy is to talk about passion. If you're jealous, it means you care. It means there's something that you care about. So we're going we're gonna to switch words out for a minute and talk about passion. What are you passionate about? Ponder that for just a quick minute. What are you passionate about? Some of you just have blank stares on your faces right now. Makes me sad. I hope you're passionate about something. I hope there's something in your life that, that makes you excited, something in your life that you just get, you just really enjoy, something that when you, when you uh, have some extra money or some extra time or some extra energy, this is what you're drawn to. This is the thing you think about. This is the thing you talk about, right? We all have different things that we're passionate about, hopefully. Anybody here passionate about golf? And where are my golfers at? I can't quite see. Bunch of you. Okay. Three of you. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> it's because the people who are passionate about golf are out playing golf. Okay. So, um, should have thought of that. Anyway, uh, so if you're passionate about golf, you love golf. I mean, that's just what you do. If you have any free time, you know, uh, you're out playing golf, or maybe you're, you know, you, you guys are the guys, like, if you're passionate about golf, you're one of these guys, you go to play mini golf with your kids, and you bring your own putter, you know, you ever seen that guy? He's out there, you know. Uh, you're just always, you're in your backyard, you're chipping, you're working on your shot, you're just always playing, you know, you're passionate. You actually, some of you people actually watch golf on TV, can you imagine that? So, you're passionate about golf. Now, Am I passionate about golf? No. Here's how I feel about golf. I like it. That's it. I like it. I like golf. 
I don't love it. I'm not passionate about it. Golf and me are friends. We're not married. We're just friends, me and golf. I like to play, but I'm terrible. And that's because when I have extra time or extra money, I don't spend any of my extra time or extra money on golf. I like to play. I'll go out. But the thing is, like, playing golf is like an all-day thing, right? It's like it's a four-hour thing to play 18 holes of golf. And then by the time you drive there and get set up, I mean, it's a six-hour thing. I mean, that's most of I don't do anything for six hours a time except sleep. So like six hours is a long time. Now, I enjoy it. I like to go out. I'm terrible, but I'll go out and hang out with my buddies and light a cigar and drive the golf cart around and chase the ball around. And I like it. It's fun. It's good. But it's not something I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about top golf. <laughs> passionate about that. You know why? Because in between being terrible at hitting the ball, they bring me appetizers. It's amazing. If they found out a way to put appetizers on a real golf course, the game would be so much better. I like top golf because I don't have to play for hours and hours, and I can play, and it's just, you guys get it. I'm, I like golf. I'm not passionate about it. What are you passionate? You, what about cars? Some of you are passionate about cars. You got a thing. Or art. Maybe you love art. You, maybe you love movies or sports, you know? Uh, right now we're in football season. Any of you guys are like psychotic about your football teams, you know? And you, you love, love to talk about sports. This is the only time that grown men who are strangers will engage in passionate conversation with one another is when it comes to a sports team. I'm serious. Watch. I'm a Ranger fan. I like, I like, I like the Rangers. Okay, Ranger, Ranger fans are, are here. I like the Rangers. I'm not passionate about the Rangers. I like the Rangers. I don't watch every game. I don't have that kind of time. But I remember vividly one time, I, I actually own a Rangers jersey, and I wore it into Walmart one time, and like three different guys came up to me like, yo, what did you think of that game the other day? I'm like, do I know you? No. I don't even know. But they're like, men will approach strangers on this topic alone and start conversations because they're passionate, because they care, because there's something about this topic that uh, flips a switch and turns them on and makes them go, man, I, I care about this. This is something that occupies my headspace. This is something I think about when I'm uh, doing other things. My mind drifts towards it. It's something that, that occupies some space in my heart. So we'll kind of introduce this message series with the following question. Are you passionate about Jesus? Got quiet in here. Did you check that out? <coughs> yeah. Are you passionate about Jesus, about your relationship with God? Some of you are, you know, and you're like, mm, like, I love God. I, I think about God during the week, you know. Uh, I connect with God during the week. Others of you, God is a friend. Jesus is a friend. So when I ask, how do you feel about Jesus, you go, we're friends. 
I like Jesus. You feel about Jesus the same way I feel about golf. I like Jesus. I hang out with Jesus once a week. I come to church. It would be better if there were appetizers. <laughs> That's how you feel about God for many of you. We're working on that appetizers thing. Don't worry, we're on that. We'll see what happens. But for now, stick with the bagels. So when, when, when I put that question to you, many of you are like, well, no, I, I like Jesus. I like God. I like hanging out with him. I'm glad he's in my life. I value our relationship. He's a friend. But that's kind of where it ends. He's a friend, and that works great for you because if Jesus says something that offends you or God nudges you in a certain direction or you find something in the scriptures that makes you feel uncomfortable, that's okay because you've got plenty of other friends. And you can hang out with those other friends for a while. It doesn't all have to be about him. What we're finding as we open the Bible, as we open the scriptures, is that God is initiating a relationship with you. He wants to be in a deep, committed, passionate relationship with you. And what you and I love to do with that invitation is say, you know, I think we're better as friends. Anybody ever heard those words? You know, I think we should just be friends. I remember so vividly the eighth grade, my first major crush, you know. I won't say her name because she might be out there watching somewhere, but I was just, I was just in love the way only an eighth grader can be in love. And she was wonderful and smart and pretty and just awesome, and we hung out. She, and she, her family was one of those families, like, they were, they, she had parents who were very permissive of lots of different people in and out of the house. Like, you didn't have to call and ask to come over. It was one of those houses you could just kind of show up, you know. Not like today. People, like, the doorbell rings, everyone ducks. Like, it's not like that, you know. In the 80s, it was different, you know. Uh, so, like, we, people would just kind of hang out, and, and we'd all be over at her house, and we spent time in groups, and we spent time, you know, alone, and and, uh, and I was just like, oh, this is going to be it. This is like, we're going to be a, the most amazing couple. And I was so excited. And so I decided to make my move. <laughs> How many of you know I had moves in the eighth grade? <laughs> moves. Finally, got her alone and found the right time. And I said those, those words that we said back in the 80s, will you go out with me? Which is totally not, like some of you are like, yeah, like what, for pizza? No, in the 80s that meant, will you be my girlfriend forever and ever for the rest of your life? That's what that meant. We, we, we didn't just date, we went right to going steady. And I knew in a split second from the expression on her face what the reaction was going to be because she went, oh. <laughs> You ever get that reaction from somebody just... And I knew, like you, some of you got, and I don't know why, maybe, women probably have been on the receiving end of this too, but in my mind, it's usually the guys that are on the receiving end of the following statement. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I, I love that you feel that way. You're so cool. You're so awesome. And I so appreciate that. Finish the sentence with me. But I just think we're better off as, oh, just kill me now. Put me out of my misery. Oh, was I heartbroken. You know, because I initiated and I was asking for a certain kind of relationship 
And she was saying, friends, I didn't come away from that day and go, oh, awesome, friends. Oh, this is the best, we'll be friends. And that was not what was going on in my head. I was like, friends? No. I don't want to be friends. I want something more than that. When God initiates with you, God wants something more than that. When God initiates with you, he wants a deep, passionate relationship. God wants to get up in your face and go, do I matter to you? Do you care about me? Am I something about which you feel anything? Or am I one of many relationship options for you? And you kind of like to play the field and keep your options open. Where am I in this? What do I mean to you? If you were here um, for the men's summit, you heard these verses. I'm going to read you some verses. You heard these verses. We talked about these verses last spring as we did the wrap-up to John's gospel. And they kind of keep coming up. And anytime verses come up multiple times in our preaching calendar over the course of the year, it's usually indicative to me that God is kind of pressing down on something and, and, and nudging our congregation on something. These verses are, are the restoration of Peter. So if you've never been to church before and you don't know the story, you know, before his crucifixion, Peter denied Jesus, denied even knowing him three times, like three separate occasions. And as Jesus reconnects with Peter after the resurrection, it has great potential to be awkward. I mean, come on, have you ever, you ever hurt somebody so badly and you see them, you bump into them and you just feel terrible? This is, there's a ton of potential for Peter just to feel awful about himself. This is Gospel of John chapter 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So, the English language is a wonderful thing, a beautiful thing. I study it and love it and love to read it, and, and I, I just, you know, I love literature. I'm told that if you didn't grow up speaking English, it's one of the hardest languages to learn because there are so many different nuances and idiosyncrasies about our grammar. But on the whole, it's incredibly descriptive, but I do think the English language fails us utterly when it comes to the word love. We use this word for so many different things. 
I love my family. I love my spouse. I love my kids. I love pizza. I love the Giants. I love, I love you know, uh, golf, if that's true for you. I love, you know, we, we love, I love my dog. I lo- like, we, lo- we use this word love, love my friends, for so many different things. The Greek language is far more descriptive. There are, in fact, three different Greek words that are rendered to the word love. Three different words all get translated to love because of the limits of the English language. Those three words are philos, eros, and agape. These are Greek words. Our earliest texts of these documents are in ancient Greek. Philos is brotherly love. That's the love of a friend. Eros is sexual love or physical love, which of course brings us our word erotic. Agape is a godly, passionate love. That's the love God has for us. So understand this. In this text that I just read you, there are three different possibilities for the root of the word love. When Jesus says to Peter, when he's, he's, he's and, and a lot of scholars believe he asks the question three times because Peter denied him three times. A lot of people believe this was Peter's restoration. When Jesus says to Peter, Pete, do you love me? Jesus uses the word agape. Pete, do you love me with a godly, passionate love? And Peter does not return the same word. Peter says, I love you with phileo. I I, I love you with brotherly love. I love you like a brother. I love you like a friend. I hear you initiating that agape thing. I hear you initiating that passionate thing. But I think, friends, Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you have agape for me? Do you love me with a godly, passionate love? And once again, Peter says, I love you like a brother. And the third time, it's the same. Pete, do you love me with a godly, passionate love? And this time, Peter looks at him and he goes, you know all things. You know it. You you know everything. You know what happened to me. You know what I did. You know how I screwed up. I can't make that promise again. I tried. I mean, because Peter knows, right? Peter was always the one to run his mouth. The mind-mouth filter wasn't really always working for Peter. He would just blurt things out. And when Jesus began to talk about his crucifixion, Peter was, no way, man, I'll never leave you. I'm ride or die. I'll be with you to the end. And Jesus goes, dude, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me that you even know me, you will have denied me three times. And that's exactly what happened. Peter understood what it was like to run his mouth and then fail. So he does, so why doesn't he just say it? Like, in this moment, why does Peter make it awkward? Because make no mistake, Peter makes it awkward. The other guys who are listening in on this conversation, they're at breakfast. The other guys are like, 
okay, Pete, that's kind of awkward. Like he just invited you into this godly, passionate thing, and you're like, let's just be friends. Kind of weird, dude. Not, not cool. Why doesn't Peter just say it? Why doesn't he just return the word? Why doesn't he go, yeah, you and me, I'm restored, you forgive me, I'm back, I'm gonna do better from now on. Some of you think that's where this message is headed. Maybe it's just the preacher in me. Whenever I hear another message, I always try to imagine where it's going. And, and some of you are probably there going, oh, it's going to be a pep talk. And I'm going to say, stop telling Jesus, let's just be friends and make a commitment today and do better. And that's not what Peter does. Peter just kind of goes, I'm, I think we're better as friends. I've overpromised and underdelivered enough times. I can still taste the bile. I can still taste it of that failure. I remember so vividly what it felt like to run my mouth and not be able to pull it off, so I'm not making that commitment. I'm going to stay in my lane. Friends, that's what Peter does right here. And what does Jesus do? He continues to use the word. Peter, you're invited. Peter, this is what I have for you. Peter, I'm inviting you into this. You want to stay in your lane? That's okay. You do your thing. Peter was, Peter, was, uh, Peter was a victim of what I like to call rededication theology. When I was a kid, I rededicated my life to the Lord about a hundred times. Can anybody relate to that? I know you guys grew up in church. Yeah, I'd dedicate myself to God and fail and dedicate myself to God and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. And, fail. and after a while, I kind of just went, what am I doing? You know, what, what, what does this circus mean? I keep jumping through these hoops. I keep making a new commitment. And even now, some of you are like, yeah, let's make a new commitment. Let's be passionate. Here's the thing. We could, we could have a big emotional moment here. We could all have a big come to the cross. Everybody kneel. Everybody make a new commitment. We're not just going to be friends anymore. We're going to commit to the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think that's wonderful if that's what God is putting on your heart. But here's what I know and what you know. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, and you're still going to be you, aren't you? And all your bad habits are still going to be there. And that commitment that you make to do so much better today is going to last exactly how long? I'm not actually wearing a watch, but I, you know, you get it. Right? So, so what do we do then? What do we do? If he's inviting us into something passionate, but all we feel is friendship, can we force ourselves to feel more passionate about God? Can we conjure up feelings of love and God? Like, what if, what if that young lady had tried that? Have you, ever, have you ever tried to have passionate feelings for somebody that you don't actually have feelings for? Have you ever tried to love somebody that way? What if that day when I asked her out, she'd said, man, it just, I don't feel anything for Bert, but you know, he's a good guy, and gosh, he sure is good looking. <laughs> Let's give this a shot. Would that have worked? No. No, you know it, and I know it, so what do we do? God is initiating, and, and, and we're kind of, we, we like to keep him in the friend zone, How, can we just whip ourselves into some sort of a spiritual frenzy so that we make a better a higher commitment and a better commitment? No. No, no. I mean, you could try, but it's a bad idea. Here's what we ought to do. 
respond daily to the cross. To respond daily to the cross. To remember the price he paid to forgive us for our sins. To know that this, this, this Jesus sees every bit of you, has seen every dark thought, every evil motive, every, everything in the corners of your closet, everything in the crawl space, everything in the attic, all that yucky stuff that does not come up at parties, all that stuff, God sees it. He sees all of it, and he looks into your eyes and says, Beloved, I love you with a godly, passionate love. You're invited. You want to stop keeping God at arm's distance. You respond to the cross daily. You look into the eyes of love and remind yourself of what God did to redeem you and how he loves you no matter what, and a response will come up in you. That's the response you're looking for. This isn't something you can just whip yourself into. This is a matter of you and I on a daily basis responding to the cross. So what we're going to do for this week and for the next several weeks as we dive deeper into this message series is we're going to try as a church daily to respond to the cross and see if our hearts don't lean into God a little bit more past the friendship barrier into something a little bit more passionate. Wouldn't that be a cool thing? And with that, we'll pray, and we'll pick it up right here for part two next week. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word, to think about all this stuff. Father, we fall short. We want to be in a relationship with you. We want to know you. We want you in our life. But we keep making commitments and failing. So today, now, help us simply to gaze into the eyes of love, to see you, and see the way you see us. Create a response in us, Father, that longs for more of you, more time with you, more connection with you, more passion for you. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.